to Trek Companion. This is episode 114. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are starting Enterprise. And no, we're not calling it Star Trek Enterprise because they did not change the name to make it Star Trek Enterprise until, I believe, season three. So for now, we're going to try to actually call it Enterprise. Steve is not a fan of revisionist history. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So today we're going to be talking about uh, Enterprise episodes Broken Bow and Fight or Flight. Here we go. Broken Bow, Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2, Production Number 721. Original air date, September 26, 2001. Directed by James Conway. Written by Rick Berman and Brennan Braga. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Principal cast includes Scott Bakula as Jonathan Archer. Jolene Blaylock as T'Pol. Connor Trenier as Charles Trip Tucker III. Dominic Keating as Malcolm Reed. Linda Park as Hoshi Sato, Anthony Montgomery as Travis Mayweather, and John Billingsley as Dr. Phlox. Guest cast include John Fleck as Silic, Melinda Clark as Saren, Tommy Lister Jr. as Clang, Von Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, Jim Beaver as Admiral Daniel Leonard, Mark Moses as Henry Archer, Gary Graham as Ambassador Sobal, Thomas Kopache as Vulcan Atache Toss, Jim Fitzpatrick as Commander Williams, James Horan as Humanoid Figure, Joseph Ruskin as Sullivan Doctor, Marty Davis as Young Jonathan Archer, Van Epperson as Alien Man, Diane and Elaine Klimasowski as Dancers, James Cromwell as Zephram Cochran, and Byron Thames as Crewman. In the decades following Zephram Cochran's visionary warp flight in space and the first contact that followed, the human race has been slowly guided by the Vulcans toward developing the Warp 5 engine. Mankind is at last able to explore the depths of space with a revolutionary new starship, the Enterprise NX-01, under the command of Captain Jonathan Archer. Plans to launch Enterprise are moved up when a Klingon courier is shot down by an unknown assailant and crash lands in the Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Feeling that the Vulcans have been condescending toward mankind for years, Archer insists it's the human's responsibility to return the injured Klingon to his homeworld alive. Archer is fully backed by Starfleet Command, and the Vulcans' objections fall upon deaf ears. I'm not interested in what you think about this mission. So take your Vulcan cynicism and bury it along with your repressed emotions. Your reaction to this situation is a perfect example of why your species should remain in its own star system. I've been listening to you Vulcans tell us what not to do my entire life. Broken bow. And I am pretty sure that it is bow, right? It's definitely not bow. It's bow, because it's the city. I think. Right. Is there's, that correct? there's a broken arrow, Oklahoma, so I always assumed it was just a, you know. Okay. Play on words. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so let's first talk a little bit about, because as we usually do when we're starting a new show, kind of the timeline of its, of its uh, creation and uh, what the creators were thinking about as they created it. That's a lot of creators. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so this was Berman and Braga created this show, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now, obviously, uh, this is a prequel series, that, so it takes place before any of the other shows, which incidentally means this is the only show, because this is the only show that takes place before Kirk and Spock's time, this is the only show that in no way could possibly have a, its timeline affected by the J.J. movies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
it was the final one made. You know, it was made in 2001. They they finished uh, Voyager. Uh, I mean, this is you know, I, I know this is the kind of stuff that a lot of Trek fans just know without even thinking about it. But I, I think it's good to kind of talk about it for a second to put it in context. That's what we're trying to do. Put it mm-hmm. in context. Um, you, the original series in the 60s, uh, next gen from the you know mid to late 80s until the mid 90s and then you had DS9 kind of throughout the 90s slightly overlapping DS9 all right excuse me next gen then you had Voyager starting you know within a year of of uh next gen going off the air so mostly on top of DS9 but then as DS9 finishes out you have a little bit of Voyager left Voyager goes off the air after 7 seasons just like next gen and DS9 in May of 2001 um, Enterprise follows up immediately. All the production-wise, it was like right after they finished Endgame, the series finale of Voyager. Within a couple of weeks, they're working on this show, right? Um, it, I, it, I couldn't find anything about this as I was trying to do research, uh, but my memory was that this was originally supposed to air sooner than it did, but then 9-11, they pushed it back. Was that wrong? I'm I'm not for sure on that. I don't recall. Well, at any rate, it premiered near the end of the month where nine nine eleven happened, um, and obviously nine eleven doesn't influence the first few episodes because they were produced before nine eleven. But very quickly, we're going to see, much like all media and everything, uh, especially in this country that was created. For the first few years after 9/11, it's you know 9/11 is going to have a big influence. Uh, certainly, all of season three is kind of one big 9/11 allegory. Um, but that's to kind of put this show in in, in context. Now, toward the end of, of Voyager, its ratings started to slip. Um, obviously, Next Gen had fantastic ratings. Uh, DS9 had pretty solid ratings. Maybe not as amazing as Next Gen, but still solid and very consistent throughout uh voyager started off great and toward the end started to slip a little bit but still was 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 solid but but notably down a little um so i'm I'm giving you all this context so that i can say the idea was for enterprise to be a really different show so they said it you know uh, barely more than a century after now after our time um, you've got all this effort to put in to make all the characters a lot more like us, um, to make, to give it, uh, conflict, uh, that, you know, Gene Roddenberry's utopia, uh, maybe we've, we've gotten out of it. Um, I mean, we've gotten past conflict in most of Gene Roddenberry's utopian shows. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, and Enterprise is supposed to be before all that. You've got people in basically jeans and ball caps and real arguments and, and a captain with a chip on his shoulder. Um, you've got the name of the show not even actually saying Star Trek. Uh, you've got, and I'm sure we will discuss the theme song, but you've got a very different opening theme song. <clears throat> I hate that song. <laughs> We'll talk, we'll talk about it later. So you have a very clear effort to make a very different show. Now, uh, we are starting this show, and we haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. I've watched the show twice. I watched it as it aired, and then I watched it when the DVDs came out. And that's it. I picked up the Blu-rays when they came out, but I didn't watch them. So this is the first time I've watched it in many years, and 
hopefully with some hindsight, I'm, I'm hoping to enjoy it even more. But at the time, while I respected the concept of trying to be different, you know, I, I did think they, may, they went too far with stuff like the song and maybe the title. But the concept was a solid concept. I thought it was worth exploring. I remember kind of disagreeing with the idea of a prequel very, very heavily at the time. Um, I don't, I don't have any of those kind of negative thoughts anymore. But after I got in, after the show got rolling, I wasn't thinking that anymore. What I was started, what I surprised myself in thinking was, they're trying to do all these things different. But within a few episodes, I mean, it's supposed to be we have all these hard times communicating, you know, we, we have trouble tr- just traveling and all this stuff that's so hard for this this earlier time in the Star Trek universe. But my memory was very quickly all that falls falls to the wayside and we, we just end up with the same ship show, Alien of the Week, whatever. Uh, and that that would be fine if it was good, but then it, I didn't feel like it was so good. Uh, now maybe that's going to be different, but there's the context of the setup for the show. There, I'm giving you what my reaction at the time was, and I'm hoping that I that I feel differently. That said, um, if we start talking about the pilot, I, I at the time I remember they even trailered it very very differently. Uh, you know, I I tried to look this up, but I couldn't find it. Do you guys remember the the the, the main TV spot that was running for months before it actually premiered, uh, and and Adam Caesar, you and I worked at the Blockbuster at the time, and I think they put that this same spot I'm thinking of on one of those Blockbuster trailer tapes, like we would have to run play in the store. <laughs> uh, but it was a, uh, it was all these, you know, it was like a bunch of fast edits, and it had like a pop song on it. I think it was from The Calling, that that rock band. No, yeah, I remember this. I, yeah. I cannot remember, but anyway, you know, the thought of of an official this is our this is our trailer to launch the show for say next gen having some pop rock song on it. <laughs> that would have been crazy, right? Um so but 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 I remember being excited though. I remember thinking, okay, I was hesitant about a prequel concept. I don't like that they're not using the name blah blah blah, but that looks cool. That looks cool, and I'm excited. I'm on board. All right. Uh, I I remember, and Steve, maybe you can talk to the, about this because I remember. Um. I remember all the rumors for casting. If they started, I think they started shooting in May, maybe June at the latest, right? So they mm-hmm. were, you know, they were they were casting all through that spring, and I think that I was visiting you, for some reason, because I lived in Texas at the time. Steve lived up in um, Kansas or Missouri. And I was visiting you at that time when we started really hearing about Scott Bakula. Mm-hmm. And I remember how excited I was, but I remember you being, at the time, were such a huge Quantum Leap fan. Uh, I remember you just being like like speechless giddy. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, it really was like, because, you know, leading up to that time, well, obviously, Quantum Leap went off the air in the early 90s. You know, it finished up at that time. But that was, I mean... During the during the airing of Next Gen and Quantum Leap, which much of their uh, much of much of their new episodes aired and you know together, you know, and side by side, and during those years, um, I was about as much of a Quantum Leap fan as I was a Next Gen fan practically. And so, really, in a way, it was like there was no one better they could have cast, in my opinion. It was like, wow, that's amazing for as far as kind of an you know 
geeky standpoint of fanboy kind of standpoint, you know. So, yeah, I was excited. Uh, Caesar, do you remember kind of what thoughts you had leading up to it? Did, were you were you on board? Were you uh, hesitant with because of some of the changes they were making? Um, I'm, I'm pretty similar to Steve. Once I found out that um, it was Scott Scott Bakula that was going to be in the chair, I was pretty excited. Um, I was also a huge Quantum Leap fan growing up, um, so I was I was pretty excited about it. I mean, you know, probably initially. I think back about it, I was probably like, eh, prequel, you know, because, you know, we had have such a great universe and timeline with Next Gen, Deep Space Nine. Um, I kind of felt like maybe they should have taken a break for a little bit um, and kind of let things, you know, keep because the audience had, come back. Because we had you know? like 15 years almost straight, straight. Of, mm-hmm. of Star Trek television, more than one show frequently. Um, but I think once I saw the look and the concept and, and the show, I mean, at least in these first couple of episodes, is, it is very different. It's a different feel, a different look. Um, the camera is different. So, I mean, you know, we've, we've obviously done DS9 and Next Gen back to back. And both those shows are conceptually, they're pretty similar in their look and their feel. Obviously, DS9 is a little darker and it has different architecture in it. But, I mean, the, the way the shows are, are shot and look are the same. So it was kind of refreshing just from, just from our, you know, years of doing this podcast, just to kind of see something a little bit different as far as the way it looks. So, um, I think I remember thinking that back then as well. And then it premiered (laughs) and we got broken bow and I thought it was very good. I think this is a fantastic pilot. I really do. I think it's very, very good. I think it's, um, you know, for how I felt about subsequent episodes of the series rather quickly, if my memory holds once we start watching it, I do remember really liking Broken Bow and thinking this was a fantastic pilot. Uh, I do think you get this feeling of feature that, like full-on feature quality, all these different locations and the sets and the effects and and the performances were so strong right out of the gate. Um, I mean, the, 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 it, it feels like they knew their characters faster, better. Maybe it's just, um, maybe some of that has to do with all the people behind the screen um, having so much experience with producing Star Trek. But I don't know. It might be, if we compare it to uh, Next Gen, DS9, and Voyager, it's... I think I like it more than any of those pilots, maybe. I, I actually really, uh, I always really like Caretaker, too. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't think any of us are going to uh, talk about like, how much we love Farpoint. But Emissary I mean, is really good. Emissary me. is very good, I, 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 especially all the the stuff with, um, yeah, I remember, you know, the, it really tried to talk about something about uh, the human condition and, uh, destiny and and um, you know the baseball analogies with the uh, linear the, living. The yeah, exactly. Linear living. Yeah. Um, so maybe it 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 was aiming high in in message and things, but but Broken Bow feels like a feels like a feature. It really does to me. Um, so I'm gonna have mostly positive things to say about this, and I think it I think it mostly holds up. Um, I have some visual qualms about it, but I want to start at the top, top, top. 
and this is a I guess this is a comment about more of the series as a whole than just the pilot. But I do want to talk about the song for a minute. Ah, <laughs> I hate the song. I hate it. I hated it then. I hated it the first time it ever happened. I remember watching the episode and hearing that. And 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 we had heard. I do remember leading up to the to the premiere. All of a sudden, we heard some rumors. We heard. We actually heard. We heard it very specifically. Uh, some opera guy is going to sing a Rod Stewart song from a Robin Williams <laughs> Heartbreaker movie uh, drama. That's what that's going to be the open. I mean, I, I even now saying it out loud, it sounds like a joke, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a joke that that's going to be the theme for the Star Trek show. Uh, and then you know the the pilot aired, and that's what we got. And I remember being feeling like, you know, it was the end of the world. This, this is so stupid. But I remember just like, oh my god! I remember like sitting up in my chair as it was playing, thinking, "Hey, Brian, correct, so correct. bad." Correct me if I'm wrong. Was that kind of a fad that was going on, not just with with Enterprise, but with a lot of series that were using like, you know, '70s songs? You know, would I remember what CSI? Didn't they use the Who to open yeah. up one of their? So I mean, I was wondering if that was kind of a fad that yeah, went on I think during that, I mean, that time. Was, that was that was a small part of it, but I think the biggest part really was just their their super effort to do something different. And and I don't know that they set out to do this. To, to do it that way I think it was more like because they were trying to do things different when some crazy ideas came in their heads which that's always going to happen like Berman was like you know what I'm going to go with that in a way that he wouldn't have before the the sequence is, is great the, oh, I love visually the it's, it's I love it I, it's, it's beautiful it's a cool <laughs> idea it looks great but the song it's it's and just, they make and they make it worse in a couple of years. By the way, yeah, I, I don't even. I'm not even trying to talk about whether the song is good or bad. I have opinions about that, but it it just feels wrong for the show, and it still does all these years later. Am mm-hmm. I am I still like? Am I? Does it sound like I'm just like holding a grudge or something about this damn song? No, I mean you know. I here's the deal. Let me talk about that briefly too. I don't want to drone on it forever either. But you know, so. I, my wife and I were watching, we're going to watch this together the whole way through. We just decided, you know, okay, let's, she's never seen a, a ser- single episode of Enterprise, so let's watch it. So we get going and that song hits and, and immediately her face is kind of like, it's this confused look, you know? <laughs> did, and you I, and I think, did, did you prep her or no? No, no. Oh, didn't say a word. Okay. No. And, and, you know, I think in a way, and I don't want to be too dramatic about it, but it's kind of, it kind of represents the big problem in a way is that, this whole notion of let's make something so different. And I mean, some could argue that, you know, you'd have had to make the best thing on the planet ever to survive seven more years just because of fatigue with the franchise and all of that. But I think, I think it's just that whole notion of they swung so far in, we got to make something different instead of we got to make something really good. Because what are you, what are you trying to do? Is it that, you know, you risk obviously losing a fan base and like what do you, what everyone who I mean people aren't stupid they're not like like huh this is interesting and then they don't know it's Star Trek or something and then fall on it and then it becomes a big hit it doesn't make any sense why they chose to kind of go this route and i think the whole the song thing and how incongruous it is with everything else is just kind of an example of what kind of the direction problem with this yeah Hey, Brian, did they ever make a full instrumental? Like, I mean, you know, the end credits, they have the instrumental 
theme. It's it's got it's kind of its own theme, but it's kind of like a quick version of well, even the end something that sort of changes a little bit. And then was it fourth season when they have the dark thing and they do like a dark version? That's actually okay. <laughs> um, it's better than this. Uh, yeah, you know, it's weird because it 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 starts to feel like like maybe maybe fans' reactions because everybody hated it. Yeah, everybody hated it at the time. Nobody ever let it go. Nobody ever let up. Um, everybody hated it always. And fans oh. reacted that way. And I think that maybe you know maybe some of it. They were like, oh, gosh, okay, well, that, see, we can't do different stuff. But they didn't change the song. They just started, they just made the show like the other shows. Now, I don't think that, that, that could be a plausible uh, explanation for why the show seems to so quickly abandon a lot of these things that make it different. But I don't really think that's it. I think it has more to do with, you know, and I do not hate Berman and Braga. I do not. I'm not one. I'm not a Berman and Braga hater at all. I like them, um, but I think that they spent so many years with it, and they were so burnt out when they started this show mm-hmm. that it was it was completely hopeless that they could actually embrace something really different. Like they were just too deep into Star Trek for way, way, way too many years to, you know, like it. It, it might have been. It. it 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 would have been a lot more difficult, but it might have been, if they had to want, had to make a show, then they, they wanted to be different. I think that they would have had to be an even bigger uh, and and been able to really step outside themselves and and just accept the con- the fact that they were probably not capable of making that show. Um, you know, and and if you look read some of the behind the scenes stuff, like like Braga has talked about. You know, he puts some of it, not all of it. He's you know. He takes some of the blame, but he puts some of it on the suits. He's talked about how his original concepts for the show, they would have spent the entire first season just building the ship. You know, the entire first season would have taken place on Earth and been a lot more of an, well, kind of the NASA sort of thing that we get later in the show. There was an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember that one? Um, there would have been a lot more right stuff kind of things and, and a lot more of the politics with the, the Vulcans and. And certainly, if you made this show today, you could get away with that. You wouldn't do 26 episodes of all different stories. You could do, a, you'd do a 13 episode single arc, and yeah, I think it'd be more realistic to do something a little bit more political and spend it in that way. How much was how much of that really did he push? Was that really his concept? How much of that was uh, UPN? You know, this launched as a not a syndicated show like Next Gen and DS9. It launched like Voyager as a part of the UPN network. UPN network is that redundant? Like pin number? Yeah. Um, it, it launched as part of that, so it wasn't actually syndicated. The uh, United Paramount Network produced it um, and and distributed it. So how much of that were, were UPN executives saying, no, of course you can't do that. We need it to be Star Trek. they got to be sitting on a bridge, and there's got to be a view screen, and blah, 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 blah. You know, here's, here's a more extreme way to look at it. Like, the anti-Star Trek show that still has enough Star Trek in it that was fantastic was not Enterprise. It was Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> you know, Ron Moore said... 
yeah, I want to make this. I want. I'm. I don't want there to be a view screen. They're just going to be standing there listening to audio as everything's going on, just like it's a you know a sub or something. You know, th- those were the kind of conscious decisions that he made mm-hmm. that I think were were interesting and different from Star Trek, uh, while providing a different source of drama and, uh, and, and way to experience the stories as opposed to having an opera singer sing a Rod Stewart song from a Robin Williams drama as your theme, you know? Okay. So <laughs> I could, I could start every conversation about enterprise and subsequently Star Trek enterprise with how much I hate the song, but dear listeners, just, just tell remind yourself that every episode and I'll, I'll save us all the pain. So let's put the song past us and talk about. It's called Fast Forward, Brian. Yeah. (laughs) Um, One last thing I want to do before we really kind of get into the nitty gritty of this episode, I kind of want to just talk a little bit about the the individual characters. Uh, Let's talk. Yeah, you know, start with the captain, Archer. They they make it very clear in this episode that he's a different kind of captain. uh, That he's got more human frailties. It feels like they're trying to say that, right? He's obviously got a chip on his shoulder against the Vulcans and, you know, keeping his dad from seeing his Warp 5 engine launch. Um, Bakula plays him. You know, you've got that one of the first scenes there uh, where he says – there's a, there's a line that here's – a, here's a line that just screams, hey, this is not your dad's Star Trek show when he says to, to Paul, uh, you don't know how much what – is, what's the line? Um Restraint well, I'm using to yeah. keep knocking you on your ass. Even still, like it, it's fine that the line is not bad, but it almost feels like they're trying too hard to make yeah, it. Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, but it, but it's it, you know it's fine. But that, that's like if there's any one line in the entire show where they're they're screaming, "We want this to be a different show." That's what it is. And and, and more specifically, that line is like, "We want this captain to be a different captain," because. Even Kirk would not have said that. He might have just knocked somebody on their butt, but he right. wouldn't have said that. <laughs> you know. Um, so, you know, what are your kind of thoughts now? I'm I'm gonna, I'm trying to refrain from talking about subsequent seasons because I do think that he he does some things that I would object to. But here, Broken Bow setting up the show, um, I think I think it it's effective. I think that he feels different yet. Uh, yeah, especially in the next episode we're going to discuss today. You know, I do think he comes off as as not just the angry guy in the captain's chair. I think he comes off as a leader, especially by the next one. Um, you know, kind of what are your guys' thoughts on, on I, Archer, I think, the character and Bacula's performance as Archer? Well, I think the scene that you're talking about, I mean, it's it happens so abruptly. It's pretty early on in the episode. And as, you know, obviously as Trek fans, you know, Vulcans and humans are best buddies, so it kind of just throws you a little bit off guard. You don't have a little, you don't have a bunch of setup times, so I, which I don't have a problem with. That might just throw people off. Um, but yeah, you're right. It this it basically says right in your face, this is not your your father's Star Trek. Well, this so, it, it it was very uh, controversial. That in general was controversial at the time. That was one of the things, you know, this this idea that. Apparently, we, you know, the Vulcans held us back for a long time. That was something that was not really in the timeline. 
it was open. We didn't know. It's not like they broke broke stuff, but uh, you know that Berman and Braga kind of came up with that. That I do remember that being very controversial at the time. I, know, I remember a lot of people being upset about it. That is one area where I didn't mind at all. I'm like, oh, that's no, that's that's some interesting drama. That's cool. I'm okay with that. Um, and Archer is such a big part of of that drama with the Vulcans. Um, do you guys remember that being an issue for you? Do you think it's an issue now? No, no, I don't. No. No. Um, Steve, any thoughts you have about Archer? No, I, I I agree that those kind of lines are so they they seem kind of obvious that they're trying to distance him from other captains. Sometimes um, that's not the only example um, in this or subsequent episodes. But overall, I'm I'm I don't have a problem with the way you know Bacula portrays Archer. Uh, Trip uh, is. Um he was often my. It, it was it was usually between him and Phlox, I think, for my favorite characters. Um, but I, I liked him a lot. I, I um, you know, if we're talking about because we're talking about the pilot, we can talk more in, in terms of, of of creation of the character. Um, you know, he's definitely that that everyman character, and uh, it makes sense for this show to have that kind of character in a way that maybe the other shows didn't. Um, you know. He's he's arguably more identifiable to us than any other series regular of any Star Trek show, and maybe that's why I liked him so much. But also, it's because Connor Trenier plays him so well. Mm-hmm. If there was any one watching this show, if you said who's gonna who's gonna go on to be a big at least TV star other than Bakula, if there's if pick one, I would have picked Trenier. Picked Trenier. So I'm I'm still surprised that he didn't. Uh, Hasn't had much of a career since then. He had a recurring character on Star- Stargate Atlantis for years and stuff. But, you know, I mean, he hasn't had anything. None of these guys have had anything as big as series regular on a Star Trek show since this time. Yeah. Um, and and Trenier, it surprised me that that didn't happen. I'm just going to kind of, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll be talking about these characters anyway as we go. But uh, to Paul, um, She did a few movies, didn't she? Yeah, nothing too. She did. She had one big-ish movie. I remember Ray Liotta was in it. I think it was called Slow Burn. That was kind of the biggest thing she did. She had a bit role on a really crappy sex comedy from last year. Uh, Sex Tape, I think it was called. It was a small role. It was a terrible movie. Um, So she hasn't really done much either. but, um, But I actually really liked her at the time. I remember thinking like, um, I mean, she's obviously a reaction to how popular the character Seven of Nine was. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think probably the like Bible rule number one for the Bible for this show was probably if you can't actually literally figure out a way to put Seven of Nine in this show, <laughs> put someone who wears a very similar outfit mm-hmm. and wears it in the same way, um, and have her in her underwear in the pilot. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, well, you know well, we're talking a lot more about, skin in this episode. <laughs> but I, I do think that she's. I think that she was a good actress. I think she played the character really, really well. I think it's an. Yeah. I think it's an, e- an easy character to take for granted, just to think it's easy and it's not. Uh, so now that we've mentioned Trip and Paul, let's say um, there's there's another thing that I would complain about the the decon. It's it's a cool idea. Okay, that we're gonna have the decon. It's blue and sexy, and it's definitely not not like any other Star Trek. But it's also definitely kind of dumb, and I thought it was—I thought it was just silly at the time how overtly sexual it was. Uh, 
and I don't think I've changed my thoughts on that in any way today. I agree. Um, yeah. And then the yeah, decon went away pretty quick too, didn't it? No, I I remember them doing it a little bit more, don't they? Maybe it's somewhere. I can't recall how long it goes on or how frequently. I can't recall for sure, but. I, I remember them taking a little bit of flack for it. I mean, it's not, it's not, it had to have been obvious even to 2001 when they were making it, like what they were doing, you know. Yeah. Um, we even okay. had the captain um, in his underwear in this episode. Yeah. Um, this is we're, we're, I'm taking too long by talking about everybody. Um, I want to. I, I don't. I'm sorry to give. You know what? We're going to talk a lot about Sato in the next episode, so that's fine. Mayweather. I think that the boomer concept was maybe an interesting concept, and then they quickly realized that it was pretty meaningless, and they didn't do anything with it, and they did almost nothing with him as a character for the entire show. But maybe I'll remember that incorrectly, or maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. I just thought Reed was kind of interesting, and later they're going to do some neat Section 31 stuff with him, but here in the pilot there isn't much. Mm-hmm. Phlox isn't... The, I think the reason I always like Phlox so much is because he's so, like... He's so bubbly and positive and interested in every kind of culture... Uh, and respectful of every kind of culture, he actually feels a little bit alien. Now, the fact that he has a positive outlook and thinks all creatures are worth something, that that makes him alien says a lot about the state of our humanity. (laughs) Um, And that's very sad, but we're going over, so I won't spend any more time on that. Um, Well, his bedside manner is like the exact opposite of the doctor. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, I, the, the one thing I want to talk about briefly is visually, uh, boy, this episode doesn't look very good. Um, I, I think there was something about the way, even as they were shooting it, I think it was that they didn't know. They still weren't sure if, it, if they were going to be airing the series in 4x3 or 16x9. Mm, yeah. Um, so the way they were shooting it and the stock they were using and a bunch of other stuff... Uh, before the pilot was done, they they decided on sixteen nine. Thank God. Um, so the very next episode, like if you're watching the Blu-rays, Broken Bow looks bad. It's incredibly grainy, mm-hmm. and even the compositions are weird. But then the very first episode, Fight or Flight, looks good. Mm-hmm. So fortunately, it's just this pilot that doesn't look very good. And um, however, the entire series, if you're watching the Blu-rays, it's very clear that all the effect shots were seven twenty p in the show. Everything, yeah, but it was shot in ten eighty. Um, the I think it was Dan Curry. I've heard him say we chose to render the FX out at 720 because otherwise it was just too crystal clear and it just it didn't look believable. Um, I'm certain that that is bullcrap because if that were the case, <laughs> you, you wouldn't. There there was a scene. Um, I think it was. Oh, I remember. Well, who, who was the uh, the female Sulaban that gets killed quickly? Saren. There's there's like a uh, over the shoulder just conversation. You know. Shot, reverse shot, uh, with um, Archer and Saren. And they're having a conversation, talk, talk, talk. And I'm watching it. And I'm, I just have a little 55-inch television. I don't, I'm not looking at that. I wasn't watching it on a 15-foot screen at work or something. Um, so they're just having a conversation, shot, 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 reverse shot. And then one time when it cuts back to Saren, all of a sudden she looks really low res. And I'm like, oh, there's going to be an effect in this shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, then, then a Sulu man comes flying behind them um or even even later let's okay let's just say broken bow is an outlier because the whole show doesn't look very good but even later if you're just having two people having a conversation and one of them happens to be standing in front of 
um, you know, a window on the Enterprise, so you're rendering a star field behind him, so you, they shot him on green screen, you wouldn't have rendered that out at 720 if it was just to make it look good, because it, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit with, all, with the reverse shot of the same exact conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so I'm, I, I know that was bullcrap, and it really just had to do with computer power of 2001, and, you know, they weren't printing it to film to go screen in movie theaters. It was just going a little bit at people's TVs. And I don't know about you guys, but I remember when I first saw this show, it was letterbox standard def on my, I think, 27-inch 4x3 TV. So I was probably looking at about, you know, maybe 300 lines of resolution. No, less than that. It would have been like 270 or something. I mean, really, really small. It was barely better than VHS, even though it was letterbox, which made it kind of cool. Um, which, by the way, that's why it was uh, courageous of them to go ahead and finish this show in 16 by 9 in 2001. Right. Since, you know, they were finishing it in high def and they didn't actually air an episode in high def. UPN wasn't doing that until I think a couple, I think until the third season. So, you know, it's great that they did it this way. But, okay, so that's why overall I think the show maybe doesn't look so great. But the reasons that it does look great, wow. We're going to really go over this, and it's all because I'm being verbose. I'm sorry. Um, what is great visually are, are like is the set design and stuff, especially the interior of the ship. I think the bridge is really cool. Um, I think that engineering is awesome. The warp core is really mm-hmm. cool and different and very physical. In a, in the a, ship design is cool too. Yeah, the the exterior, which by the way, I think this was the first Enterprise on the show to never have a model, right? It was only, mm-hmm. only in the computer, so that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the design work is really cool. I mean, you know, even like costume design, I think that their uniforms are really cool. Um, what kind of thoughts do you guys have about kind of the, the look of the show? Um, I, I enjoyed it. Like I said earlier, um, I enjoyed the just the different texture and style from what we've seen over the past um, 14 seasons of Star Trek that we've watched um, for this podcast. So it's kind of a nice change of pace. Um, as you said, the ship's a really cool design, a retro design. I think they, the concept was, you know, because they had to go before the Constitution class. You know, this is a, a, a starship that is first of its kind. And you can see... You can see, you know, that's you know, it's like the unevolved creature of the the starships that we're going to see centuries from now. So it's um, it's it was I liked it from the get go, the um, the Enterprise starship Enterprise they came up with. Yeah, I, I agree. I always enjoyed the design. I thought it, they did a good job making something different, but you know, having indications that it's evolves into what we're used to later and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and in that sense, they do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, it, it, you know, it, it must have been difficult to design something, well, 35 years after the original series uh, okay. that, that's, I mean, in, in real life, that looks like it was, you know. And the sets inside, they are tight, you know, you know, we're coming from, Vo- you know, Voyager, um, Enterprise D, um, even Deep Space Nine were very spacious and pretty luxurious. And now we're going to kind of more tight, cramped quarters, even, you know, Archer's quarter you know uh, an ensign on enterprise d wouldn't have quarters that small and cramped so it's (laughs) it's it's nice to see that they they when they went back this far that the ship's going to be smaller there's going to be a less crew and it's going to be tight and compact and that's kind of how they shot it 
is you, you mentioned a couple times now about since we've been watching DS9 followed by Next Gen and now watching this show. I will say that because, especially because Broken Bow itself looks so bad, but also subsequent episodes like with the effects being rendered out of 720 and stuff, it's odd that this show looks more dated at least than the remastered Next Gen. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, you know, and and I'm sorry, but I don't think we're ever going to get better. I I know that at least the first three seasons existed on film. Um, but even if they went to the trouble to, you know, do a new transfers of that, that, you know, that they're not going to render out the, they're not going to recreate the effects from scratch in 1080 or something. Um, this show just wasn't that successful. So I think this is what this show is going to look like pretty much forever. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm okay with that. You know, I, I could live with that if, if, if someday we get. Voyager and especially DS9 remastered. I'd be, I, I think that's more necessary. But, but yeah, it, it was kind of funny how, how all good things now look so much better than this is ever going to look. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah. Uh, so you, so you talked about, we talked about the general stuff that they did to to give you a taste of what should be coming. Uh, Technology-wise, like you had that, you have the transporter with a single pad, and first time it's used with a human, of course, Archer, and that was kind of cool. That that beaming effect while he's kind of running, and you know the the bit about the phase pistols. I don't know why. I mean, you know what? Maybe it was because it was in that trailer with the rock song. But I always, I can hear in my head anytime Reed saying there are two settings: stun and kill. Best not to confuse them, whatever. Uh-huh. I always remember that line. You know, it's kind of uh-huh. neat. The phase pistols actually look really cool. Um, so lots of cool stuff like that. Uh, what I, we haven't talked at all about is the actual story here of this pilot. And when I say the pilot is good, it's as much to do with the story and the writing as it is all the cool sets and design and effects and all that stuff. It, you know, it's it's it's, um, it, you know, as as Star Trek fans, we talk a lot about uh, the kind of stuff that we think is fun is just Trek history, the future, the future history stuff. And here we see for the first time. Uh, meeting Vulcans and and we know I think it was one of the movies or we, we only thing we know about it is that it was disastrous I think it was maybe the word that was used it was a bad thing I don't know I don't know it was a next gen episode where Picard talks about it right we no, knew the first, first contact with the Klingons mm-hmm. yeah it was it was a bad thing uh, it we weren't set up properly we ended up having you know feuds with them for decades and. So to get to kind of see this, it is cool. It is cool. It's it's cool that it's cool that they have like this inciting incident. Um, I know it's basic writing, but it's it's cool and it works. You know, to actually suddenly have to get the Enterprise out there before it's ready, and it's not just oh, here's the day that we are launching our ship for the first time. Yay! You know, yeah. it, it's it's dramatic and it's cool. Um, and uh, the the Sula band, the first time you see them, they're cool. They, the 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 weirdness that he does to get underneath the silo, I remember. It's like, wow, that's that's neat. That's unlike something I've seen before. Maybe now, uh, fourteen years later, the effects maybe look a little bit uh, dated, but it's still cool. Cool idea. And and at the time, it was really neat to look at. Um, your guys' thoughts, kind of on the story here that that we're neglecting. We talked. We already talked a little bit about the 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 idea of the Vulcans being, you know, um, of our strained relationship with them because they've apparently been holding us back since the events of 
the feature of first contact. No, um, structurally, it's a very good story. It's fast paced, um, you know. So it's it's it, like you said, like you said earlier in the podcast, it almost feels cinematic. It's like a fast paced type of episode, and there's always kind of something going on, and you actually in between spaces you get to learn a little bit about the characters so structurally the story is is entertaining and it gives you information in a in a fast-paced way so um i don't feel like this episode even today i think it holds up as far as it it, it doesn't drag the story moves along and yeah. you can relate to the characters very quickly even though you know this is a brand new show I it's, agree. I agree. Yeah, it's very well balanced. I mean, it's got kind of, it's kind of got everything in terms of, you know, you you have to introduce the characters, you have to establish what's the what's the point, you know, the tone of it, all this kind of stuff. And I think it, I think it does all those things, and it has some cool action sequences. It's exciting, you know. So. Yeah, the couple there were only a couple of things that maybe didn't hold up as well to me. The big phaser fight on the roof within the snow mm-hmm. seems like it goes on kind of forever. Right, I remember right. thinking it was cool at the time, but that mm. maybe feels a little dated. Uh, and the only other thing, and these are very minor comments. The only other thing, because um, I've been saying a lot of positive things, <laughs> and I have to tear it down. No, that's not what I mean. The, the only other thing, which is also very minor, I'm not sure that the flashbacks with his dad really mean anything. Yeah. No. They they get in and out of them in a weird kind of way. It just feels like they stuck them in there. Uh, they don't really mean anything. Uh, it was also funny. This is the first time I've watched this since Mad Men, and it was funny that Archer's dad is the <laughs> the Mad Men guy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, the story. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say is like, well, it doesn't really seem like they even do anything. I guess my it's one a very point about the story, the, the yeah. episode, and that's that's to me that's a good thing. But it's no, a very well, story. well, what I'm saying is like you know, with his dad, the one complaint I might have about this episode is like Archard's bad because his dad didn't get to see the War Five, and you know they just kind of drive that. That's their. It, it seems like that's their only reasoning for disliking the Vulcans. I mean, obviously, I don't know. I I would have liked to have seen a little bit more elaboration on that, just other than you know his dad didn't get to finish the engine, you know. You have Tucker saying it, and you have him saying, you know, so it, it's that just kind of got a little bit repetitive to, to me. And then when you had the the flashbacks with his father, and they don't, I guess they kind of lead somewhere, you know. He he learns to get up when he falls. I guess that's the kind of the <laughs> yeah, message so, that they're trying to say there. Yeah. But yeah, oh, it's, I, it's I think the Batman message. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that I think the I, I agree that the flashbacks are pretty much useless. I mean, I think you can have that be some kind of point that okay. I mean, all you got all you got to know is the father's dead. He was engineered. He helped build this ship, and he didn't get to see it launch because they. You know, you don't need the, all the flashbacks to given given even the dialogue we have in this episode to bring that home. So whatever. I like uh, I like some of the. You're right. It has a very fast pace. Um, but the the few moments when they take a, take a minute are the things that are probably my favorite stuff in the episodes, and I'll just give you one example. Uh, the Archer trip to Paul uh, dinner scene, mm-hmm. the Captain's mm-hmm. Mess, which they're going to do sure. a lot in this show. I always love it when they do that. I love the episodes that open with the, the Captain's dinner, you know? Mm-hmm. But in this, epi- this episode, they do that for the first time, obviously. And, um, and it's cool, and I like that a lot. Um, Another thing they do in this sh- this ep- this pilot that they're going to return to, maybe not as successfully in the future, but is this whole is future guy, the shadowy guy, you know, future guy and uh, the temporal cold war, 
um, trying to only talk about it in this pilot and not how I feel like it wasn't it never went anywhere and made, meant anything but in this pilot it, it was cool and it was interesting and it made me kind of want to know more mm-hmm. uh, mostly it's just the words temporal cold war sound cool <laughs> yeah. um, especially to 2001 people uh, but there's already so much other stuff in this episode. It doesn't take away from it. I just don't know that it really adds anything to the episode. Well, that's that's their arch that they're setting up for the show, obviously. You know, the And that if I remember correctly, I think I read somewhere one time that Braga said like that was a that was a suit a note from the suits because they wanted some element you know, if they're going to do a prequel series, they still wanted some element of the future in there. I don't know if that's true, but yeah. Um, all right. Well, so I, I, you know, I think it's a good, I think it's a good pilot. I think it, I think it holds up. Yeah. I um, think we all like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's it about? It's about getting up when you fall, Brian. <laughs> didn't, you, didn't you get that? Bruce, Bruce why do we fall? <laughs> <laughs> um... You know, it's about standing on your own two feet. I guess you could kind of say that's kind of like the theme they're they're showing with us that that you know, we as human beings, you know, we we have the right to explore. We've earned the right to explore. We can stand on our own two feet and be responsible for ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you gotta obviously it's the humans getting out from under the thumb of the Vulcans, but it's essentially that you know you sometimes you have to uh, you go out on your own. You have to take a chance. You know, you have to take risks to show you can, uh, so you can do something on your own. You can handle things on your own, something like that. So, so we all like this episode, and we think it yeah. generally holds up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. Well, I think we've covered Broken Bow. Let's do six degrees for Broken Bow. Oh gosh! Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. Um, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Joseph Ruskin plays the Sultan. Sultan. <laughs> Thanks. Sultan. Thanks, Otto. Correct. Uh, Joseph Ruskin plays the Suliban doctor that helps Klang remember or not. In the original series, he played Galt, the masker thrall on Triskelion. Name the episode. Oh, yeah. Um, is it? Oh, gosh. Is it the Gamesters of Triskelion? You are correct. Uh, Adam. Nice. Yes. James Oren plays Future Guy, the shadowy dude that helps out the uh, Celeban. Uh, we last saw him as Lieutenant Barnaby at the beginning of Next Gen's final season as Crusher took command of the Enterprise while everyone else was dealing with lore and the Borg. Name the episode. <laughs> oh, my brain's not working today. Um, go for it, Steve. Uh, Descent Part 2. You are correct. Steve has two. Moving on. Fight or Flight, Season 1, Episode 3, Production Number 03. Original air date, October 3rd, 2001. Directed by Alan Croker. Written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Jeff Ricketts as Alien Captain and Efren Figora as Translator Voice. <laughs> 
few weeks into their first mission of deep space exploration, the Enterprise crew is still breaking in their ship and itching for first contact with another civilization. Until Sub-Commander T'Pol detects a ship floating immobile in interstellar space. So Captain Archer decides to try to make contact with it. Getting no response, the crew takes a closer look at the alien vessel and sees evidence of weapons fire and bioscans reveal life forms. Over to Paul's objections, Archer orders Reed to prep a shuttle and asks apprehensive Hoshi to come along. Am I the only one who's having a problem with this? You said it yourself, sir. Whoever killed those people are probably coming back. So we should avoid confrontation at any cost. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you Vulcans do? Bury your heads in the sand and then just fly on by? We Vulcans would have never gone on board that ship in the first place. <laughs> uh, you got an answer for everything, don't you? We have a code of behavior, and we try to obey it. Fight or flight. Caesar, kick us off on fight or flight. Sounds like you like this one. Yeah, I did. Um, for those who don't know, I this is my first time to watch Enterprise since it first aired way back in the early aughts. So I didn't quite remember this episode, and I'm assuming that's going to happen quite a bit, and there's going to be some that I haven't even seen. So um, I didn't quite remember this episode fully, just kind of bits and pieces. Um, but what I was saying before, I, I enjoyed the scenes in the um, the alien ship, you know, there there's just flashlight lights, it's kind of dark. Um, to me, you know, I kind of maybe had the same feeling you had from the first episode. It has a kind of a cinematic feel. Obviously, it's 16 by 9. That, that probably helps out a little bit. Um, so I guess in these first two episodes, basically what I think what I've enjoyed most of all is just the different texture and look and feel of the show. Um, and, uh, you know, the stories, I, I like the story, too. It's, it's good. You know, you have an inexperienced captain who has no... You know, he has no manual to go back and look at and say, okay, how did, how do we do this? So, you know, them going out there, you know, they, it's just kind of like they're just doing things by the seat of their pants because obviously no human has done that before. So I kind of, I like that concept in this episode, whereas, you know, we take for granted, you know, when Picard pulls up to a ship or, or a planet or something, there's a protocol or, you know, even in the other, other series and, and in this episode, it's kind of like, mm, what do we do? So um, I like yeah, those it, questions. It's interesting you mention like- that. For example, when he first, uh, you know, opened the comms and sends a greeting, um, you know, he's like, uh, "We're from Earth, and uh, we'll send you a, we'll send you, you know, we got a little Star app chart. on our phone that that shows says where <laughs> Earth is or something." <laughs> and we're gonna tell you that. I mean, it's really long. And it, and at first, I heard, and I'm like, "That's that's cool. That it makes sense that that would be the first thing." And then I thought. Wow, this is really long, and there's no way they're going to ever do this again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. um, that's kind of what. Uh, this is not necessarily a complaint. I think this episode is solid, but I do think, to an extent, you, you're you're setting up from the very beginning. You're like you're saying uh, in this episode, just narratively. There's a bit about we've been out here for two weeks, and all we found is sluggo, you mm-hmm. know, and it's everything's it's kind of boring and slow. And I think if you spend too much of your episode saying that. You know what happens? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of boring and slow. Um, but, but I agree with you. What, what's interesting in this episode, what's keep, what keeps me watching it, is how they're still trying to do something different. And, and for example, walking around that ship in space suits. 
yeah, in spacesuits, that does not look like something that I, I can think of at least an episode of the original series where they did something like that. But I but 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 to do it like this and to really make it dark, not just literally but figuratively, and 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 Hoshi like the way she screams, that was not a red shirt about to be killed kind of scream you know forgettable doesn't really mean anything in shallow that was like a legitimate scream of horror that right. i i think you'd be hard pressed to find in the other shows so it does give you that feeling of this is different in an interesting way yeah you know, and it's, it's not it's just dark different right off the to bat. be different like the song or something <laughs> wait yeah and, this ep- again. <laughs> and you know this episode's dark right so this is it's the first episode after the pilot and it's dark it's actually kind of a dark kind of almost scary episode you know kind of has some horrific themes to it with bodies hanging and tubes sticking out of them and they're you know being harvested for chemicals and stuff like so it's kind of a it's a dark subject matter um real quick what you say i love that they wore spacesuits i know we're not going to see it much anymore but i love the fact that they pull up to a ship and they can't necessarily go on it because in any of the other shows, it was, you know, they just took it for granted. Well, we can just go on this ship. So I love the fact that they at least once wore spacesuits to go over to another ship. Yeah. Steve, what are you, some of your. Oh, wait. I, I just paused my head. I wanted to say it. This show had these, this new thing, these flat panel TVs and flat panel computer monitors. <laughs> and at the time, they were so amazing. And now you're looking at them and you're like, what is that? Like a hundred lines of resolution that looks so terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, there's almost no color in them. They um, look like the oldest LCD monitors I've ever seen. <laughs> but at the time, they were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Steve. What are some of your first thoughts about? No, I that? agree with m- much of what's said. I li- I like the um, <clears throat> I like I like what makes it different. I like the like spacesuits. It's like they don't know what's going on. I do agree though that it feels slow paced at times. It feels like kind of. Um, kind of boring and I, I think you know for me like I think I could have got away with that that pace more if there would have been been more um, exploration of character you know like if, if it would have been one of those things where you, it feels like, the like with uh, the doctor and uh, trip yeah 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 I mean if there's more of that kind of stuff I mean what if and, and you know this is we're getting kind of into the whole series again but this episode reminds me of this a little bit too if you like like you were talking about Battlestar Galactica which was only four years later or something when it started, right? So, I mean, it's like if you'd have had this kind of pace, but you would have shown more relationships and shown more things that you could carry over in the next episode, then it would feel more natural. But as it stands, because there's only like kind of hit or miss with that, it just feels like people jacking around with stuff, you know, like when mm-hmm. when when uh, Reed is having problems with the, the uh, targeting scanners and talking mm-hmm. to Mayweather and yeah. that kind of stuff. It's fun, but you don't learn anything about these people and it doesn't feel like it's got any weight. You yeah. know, it's just, it's just it, stuff about like, that's, stuff. That's a good example because you have that scene with uh, Reed and Mayweather, right? Mm-hmm. And they're talking about a couple of things and they're trying out this, the, the targeting system. And then it feels like the very next scene is the exact same scene just on the bridge instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you, you, they should have just dropped one of those. Um, I, I, do, I do love I do love the little wimpy torpedo that comes out. That's just a little <laughs> rocket. It is kind of cool how it doesn't work at all on that alien ship that's kind of mm-hmm. kicking their butt near the end. It's not <laughs> until the other ship disables them that it can do any good, it seems like. I mean, they talk about it as if it's a targeting thing, but it's, it doesn't have a targeting problem. It bounces right off their shields or whatever, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So it so yeah it's it's bold it's a bold concept here that they're 
that they're trying to almost be real with it, uh, with the way things would be. Um, you know, it takes forever, boring space to get from one place to another. That kind of idea. Uh, and Captain, there's that that scene with uh, T'Pol and 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 Archer. Captain, there's there's nothing really out here at all. Remotely interesting. <laughs> um, you know, you, you're you're hearing those lines and kind of putting your, you know, your chin uh, in your hand and just kind of sitting there and waiting. Um, but that said, oh, I think I would have liked. You know, you were talking about the character stuff. I would maybe like to have seen a more more dialogue between T'Pol and Archer because it was basically just her disagreeing with him and then him doing exactly opposite of what she said. Well, that's kind of what I think the whole show is going to be. I got to get over this, this whole, you know, um, but, but you know, to talk about something that I liked, um, <laughs> you somebody else go first. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, what here, my favorite thing in this episode, and this, this is more, this is not really, it, it, at first it seems like maybe it's an Archer character thing, but I think it's more about, I think it's more the show than anything else. Uh, is, is the whole storyline where, then this takes, they, they spend time with this, right? It's, um, man, I'm not gonna sleep. Uh, you know, Archer, T'Pol says, uh, we really should leave whoever did this. We probably couldn't stop them if we wanted to. And it's really none of our business and we should go. It's not our mission. And Archer, you know, he says, okay. And they leave. And, you know, he has to go through this, this personal yeah. journey where he says, you know what, are we supposed to just avoid all confrontation? And he has to kind of get there, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what the, the captain's mess scene in this episode is him getting there and deciding to, and then, and then deciding to go back. And once he makes that decision and he's really like, he's a leader, you know, he assigns each person this specific task and he has a plan and they go back and they implement the plan. And, um, I like that bit. And I like this idea that we're out here. You know what? It's a little bit like, uh, the famous uh, speech from the original series, risk is our business, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it's like, we're, we're out here and I don't care if it's not our mission because it actually is. It's, it's humanity's mission that sent us out here. And this has to be a part of that. I like giving, I like the way this episode for better or worse, you know, what I like about this episode is that despite the fact that it has some boring moments, et cetera, it tries to give the entire series a through line, mm-hmm. you know? And I think in that way, it's as the second episode you ever see for the show, I think it's successful in that way, you know, without watching anything else after you see this and you get an idea of what they're, what the show is going to try to be, what they're, what they are going to try to do out there. And in that way it works. And in that way I enjoy it and I like it. And I, and I think it holds up because of that and it still works. Um, they they kind of try and anchor the whole episode on Hoshi's second thoughts about being out here, which is also another kind of real thing. Maybe they get a little bit on the nose and heavy-handed with Hoshi is soft is 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 uh, sluggo, um, but you know it's it's fine. It works. It's good. Um, so I like this one. Uh, what do you guys think this episode's about? Well, I think you kind of went into it. It's about um, kind of setting a standard for, you know, humanity. It's 
this is our mission. I think you kind of went into about what it's about. Yeah, I think, I mean, the commonality between the Hoshi storyline and what they choose to do with this ship and all that is that you got to stretch yourself, you know. I mean, you've got to, you recognize that, you know, if, am I being the best I can be? Is humanity being the best they can be? Is or true to yourself? And sometimes that means taking chances and, and stretching oneself, you know. Anything else you guys want to add about this episode? That's a no. I think we're good. I would have liked it if if they'd made a, uh, another spacesuit, but a really little one for Sligo. Mm, <laughs> right. I think that, that was his case. He was in the case. No, I don't, but I wanted it to be just like everybody else's. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't make like a form-fitting spacesuit for DePaul. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you a dollar that was discussed. <laughs> yeah. Is there any oh. way that we could just have her suit like from the waist down? <laughs> well, that would, anatomy maybe, do Vulcans right? have like thicker skin? Right. Can they maybe be Let's out in that. space without having to have... <laughs> Well, will you, will you guys tell me you've seen it. How much longer do we see the spacesuits? Do we see them? We for see them for a while. I remember them even in the fourth season. I'm pretty sure. I'll tell you. Here's one thing. You know what they make me think of now? On the on the Blu-ray sets. Gosh, I don't even remember which season it was. It must have been season one. One one of the Blu-ray sets. They like put everybody in their spacesuits on the cover, but it was so obviously my head is pasted on. Like they yes. just had the suits and they just took. They took people's heads and stuck it on top of the suit. It wasn't actually a picture of the actor in the suit. Right. It looks so bad. Yes. Uh, that guy, whoever made that cover, I hope you're not on one of our listeners because I'm going to disparage you now. Uh, he needs to work on his Photoshop skills. <laughs> it does not look good. That's what the that's what seeing the suits made me think of this time. That's unfortunate. I also, you know, I, I do like how it's like they established they're not going to like rub gel on each other every time. You know, I know it's a time <laughs> thing. <laughs> But I always did want to see a uh, like you know some some crewmen going on a mission, coming back and needing to rub gel on each other, and they're not being in the best shape. Just to kind of <laughs> you know, switch it up a little bit. Flux. All right. Well, let's move on to six degrees for fight or flight. Uh, Steve. Yes. Jeff Ricketts plays the Axonar captain that finally helps out after Hoshi speaks his language so to speak. Hmm. A few episodes from now, he'll play Gaval in Enterprise's first appearance of what species that originated in the original series? Hmm. Gaval. Gosh. Uh, I will give you one hint. I did not name the episode for a reason. Mm Mm-hmm. Shoot. Uh, Andorian? You're correct. The episode, of course, being the Andorian incident. Mm. All right, Adam. If you get this one, at least it's not a shutout. Yay. In this episode, do you like the opening theme song? (laughs) (laughs) Is it any good? What do you think? It's terrible. You are correct. (laughs) All right. It turns out it's one of the questions every time now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, hey, we're watching Enterprise. Yeah. It's cool. You know, it is is kind of fun. It's it's Uh, been a long road, you know, getting from (laughs) there to here. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, listeners, I'm really curious. Uh, Do you... 
play the opening every time you watch an episode? Even even on Next Gen, I love, you know, the Blu-rays at least. The DVDs maybe weren't this way, but the Blu-rays, they put the chapter markers after the opening. Most of the time I did, I would skip it, uh, even though I liked it. It's just that, you know, we've all seen it a kajillion times and time is money. But Enterprise, whew. Thank God. Thank God. You just put yeah. it on. See, you should just bring it, come up with your own theme song, Brian, and mm. that way you could play the pictures. Yeah, you could play the, a contest for our listeners. Yeah. Even if they come use up with the, the calling come, song. If you're going to use a pop song, the calling song would have been cooler. The song that was in the original mm-hmm. trailer. Mm-hmm. So let's, listeners out there, put together a, a new open for Enterprise. I bet they have. you got to, you know. Spend some send it to us. If you, if you have a new open for Enterprise, send it to us. <laughs> Brian Dietrich. I gotta get away from this. No, 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 because I need to like, I need to accept it, and I don't want to spend, I don't want to like spend a, a year and a half talking about Enterprise and Star Trek Enterprise and have an entire hour's worth of me complaining about the song. What, <laughs> wait, what? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that to our listeners. What season do they speed up the song? Because it's kind of slow. They do and change fun. it later. They yeah, they add some stuff or something, but it it doesn't really make it better. I think it makes it worse, possibly. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay, okay. So, thank you so much, everybody, for spending over an hour with this. I know we went over today. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with the next three episodes of Enterprise. Thank you again. Uh, let's see. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Trek Companion. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Uh, our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Uh, if you haven't ever done it, uh, spend... 60 seconds and uh, hop over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Uh, that helps other people find it, find us, and uh, we really appreciate that. Um, so, thanks again, and until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.